everyone. Welcome to the Spooky Book Club podcast episode, I guess two officially, but this is our first episode discussing an actual book. So welcome. Today we're discussing The Snowman by Joe Nesbo. At this point, you should have read to the end of chapter 18. Matt, how do you feel about this book so far? Um, I feel indifferent. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. Um, I... I'm going to be honest. I hated it at first. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll go into... We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and then the more I read, I was bored. And then today I read a lot of it all at once, <laughs> and it, it got me. I'm ready to read the rest of the book. Yeah. I'm actually excited to see if my theory is correct and what actually does happen. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. Um, and I'd like to start by cha- uh, chatting about chapter one. It is really difficult to read this chapter and go any further. I was really mad at the end of this chapter and was thinking that the book was going to be a certain way. Um, But I was wrong and it has gotten a lot better. So let's just... Uh, maybe dive into the first couple of pages. So we're and uh, we're set in 1980. The first snow. We're introduced briefly to three characters: a woman, a man, and a child. Um, the scenario is that the woman is visiting this like lover who is leaving the country. First of all, she leaves her child in the car for 40 minutes. Um, like the car is on, but it's off when she gets outside. And I was like. Who does that? You left your kid in the car while it's snowing and you told him 10 minutes and it's been 40 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Good judge of character. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things in this first chapter that are just trying to grab your attention. They just want you to read past this chapter. There's um, like a sex scene. There is um, at the end of the chapter, you know, like um, a snowman appears and there is a... (laughs) catchy hook right at the end to keep you reading and it says we're going to die and there is nothing more classic than that hook um nothing more overused and um boring so anyway lots of scenes that are kind of feel very like set up they're like staged movie like um matt do you want to talk about the one that you thought of earlier there's a scene that i actually bookmarked where it just felt extremely set up to the point where I was like this sounds like if I was watching this in a tv show I would turn it off because I'm like oh my god the stupid cop and the smart cop and they're like yeah it's like it felt like a comedy that was almost set up um it's in the scene where um Sylvia goes missing and they Mm -hmm. haven't found her body yet but they're in the barn and they find like the chicken heads and the chicken bodies that are on the floor um there was one specific quote, too, from Scar. Um, of course. Who we'll talk about later when we're talking about characters. But he says, uh, if the woman did the killing, she must have put the hatchet back in its place. Tidy types, these farmers. But then there's also things that one cop points out that everybody should have pointed out. Yeah. Um, like the fact that there is an outline of a hatchet missing on the tool wall. <laughs> Like, if there's an outline, well, first of all, nobody has an outline. Yeah, no. What'd they do? Like, spray paint the yeah. wall with all the tools in place? Like, there's not going to be an outline of a missing tool. No one did that for and second, time. if you're a fucking detective, like, all three of them are, you think not just one of them would notice yeah. at a crime scene with blood on the floor yeah. that a giant tool is missing from the wall. Yeah. Um, on top of that, they're talking about like somebody else has to point out the fact that the chickens' bodies are scattered, mm-hmm. and that the tables are overturned. Like, mm-hmm. Why would you have to point that out to another detective? It just felt very set up in a point where I was like, "This is <laughs> like are <laughs> all three of them detectives, or just one of them a detective?" I'm in pain. Are the this, other two really? just like shadowing the detective? <laughs> I think that does happen quite a bit in the in the book, which brings us to. Talking about characters, uh, Katrine being one of them. She doesn't get a lot of backstory, but she has gotten a fair amount of 
screen time I mean, per her se. Backstory was she grew up in Bergen, mm-hmm. and then she she was on the like the missing and, persons unit. Maybe. And when they go back to visit, she doesn't make plans with her parents. Right. She doesn't even let them know that she's in town. Yeah. Because she doesn't want it to be an ordeal, even if it's for one night. Yeah. And she tells Harry, when you go to the police headquarters. Don't mention my name. Yeah, she's like, I'm not here. Don't. I don't want to see anybody. Don't. And that yeah. makes me think one of two things. One, something went wrong, mm-hmm. which is less likely than my second theory about that, and that is the guys were just as creepy at the last yeah. headquarters <laughs> that they are now, and she fucking dipped because these guys are yeah. always creepy at work. Right, and she didn't want them to like infiltrate the minds of the of Harry, especially right. being that. Or let that be a distraction to the investigation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she's a reasonably likable character, even though she is written about so poorly in this book. I think she is only there as a sex symbol. And she is only written about, or like every time she is written about, she's also written about in that like, Oh, she smells good. Oh, her yeah, outfit clings spicy. to her body. Oh. oh, I can see her bra through her Her pink jacket. lace bra. Yeah, and, and I'm so... And it's so, from every male character. Yeah, it's I'm not, sick of it. One male character is not innocent of it. Every male character is looking at her or smelling her yep. or peeking down her shirt. Yep. Um, some of them are more guilty than others because of their actions, but everybody is guilty of looking at her in a sexual way. Especially when they're at work. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's 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 really quite infuriating. Um, especially, let me see what chapter is this. Chapter six, um, you may have run into Magnus Scar, who Ugh. is on the Harry Holes kind of like crime unit. And he says some really awful things to her while they're in the cafeteria. When she's eating her two sandwiches. Yeah. Right? Because she seems to eat her two sandwiches in the cafeteria alone every day. He says things like, if you'd like to learn a couple of things about proper crime detection, I suggest you and I go for a beer. And then uh, he also says, um, you could view it as training. As if she needed the training. And he's like coming on to her really strong and he says you know he can see like a gleam in her eye and he's like oh i'm responsible for that gleam i lit the fire in her and then you know he starts to like i think he actually touches her he like slides his hand onto her leg and she turns him down obvious uh, you know gladly i mean i'm he's he sucks as a character so she turns him down and he gets so mad. Yeah. Yeah. He like stands up and calls her a fucking whore. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the same guy that made the comment in the barn about, he says farmers yeah. being the tidy yeah. types, but he obviously means women being the tidy yeah. types yeah. when he's talking about putting the hatchet back. Like this guy is obviously sexist. Yes. And probably the worst character. <laughs> uh, absolutely the worst character. I really hate him. Yeah. I think I, I read through chapter one and actually got to that scene where they're, where Katrine and Magnus are in the cafeteria together. And I wanted to throw the book away and just be like, okay, we, we're switching it up. We'll re-record the intro. It's fine. We'll, we'll just delete do, the podcast. We'll just do it over. We'll come back I can't read this book. The scary book club. Yeah. <laughs> Start over. I felt that way after chapter, just chapter one. I yeah. was like, fuck, we selected the wrong book. Yeah. But then getting through it and still suffering, honestly, through the pains of the cheap hooks and mm. some of the terrible setup scenes, it made me realize that every book we read isn't going to be great. Yeah. And uh, there's going to be bad things that we need to point about out about most books. <laughs> this isn't the worst book I've ever read. Right. Let's talk about some other characters. Yeah. Well, we've talked about Katrine and Magnus. Yes. Um, let's talk about the main character. Let's talk yeah. about Harry Hole. Um, he's a kind of likable guy, in my opinion, right? Like, he has a good background. He probably has an even bigger background than we know, since this, mm-hmm. is, this is the seventh book in the series. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he comes from um, an ex-wife 
who has a son who is mm-hmm. seeing somebody else, but he's super mature about it at the same time, even though there's still sort of an affair that's going on. Yeah. Um, and he still has a good relationship with his son, even though it's not as good as it can be because yeah. he's still making mistakes. The same mistakes he made with his ex-wife. Yeah. Where he's too attached to his job and not even paying attention to his own son. Well, and those are mistakes that I think people just make. They're so real. It's just like, yeah, I think that it's not a particular fault of his. I think it's kind of a fault of like maybe that type of person or just like people in general. So I can't really fault him for that. He's a likable character. Yeah. He's not a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he has his... Downs, alcoholism yeah. being one of them. Yeah. Um, but he seems to be controlling it on a mature level as well. Even though his co-workers think that he's shooting up drugs in his office <laughs> when he's actually just testing a theory about suicide. That's dedication. Oh, I did want to point out, I did some reading on um, Harry Hole and his name. Because okay. I'm like, there's no way this name is serious. There's no way. It has to be, there has to be a reason why it's serious, yeah. was there? So, well, I think that there is a different pronunciation of it. And I oh. think we have lost a little bit of that during the translation. Mm. It may have been pronounced in other places as Hooli. Because um, apparently while he does some investigating in Australia, they call him Harry Holy. Which is like kind of a combination of Huli and Hole. We also have, uh, so we talked about Raquel and Oleg, who is um, her son, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually Nesbo's son's name in real life, which is probably where he got it. So, so weird. Yeah. Uh, there's Gunnar Hagen, who is the senior officer mm-hmm. slash detective for the unit. And then there's Philip, Birdie, and Jonas Becker. Let's go back to Gunner real quick. Oh, yeah. That guy's a dick. <laughs> like, it feels almost deliberate that he's trying to argue with Harry. And mm-hmm. It's almost like a pissing mm-hmm. contest. Yeah. And I think they even mentioned that verbatim in the they book. They do. Is that it's yeah. a pissing contest yeah. at one point where one detective, Harry Hull, mm-hmm. is trying to not get more officers to keep it a smaller investigation. And the oh, other guy's true. like trying to prove that yeah. he's a superior. Um, and then Harry Hole has to like outsmart him in conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's like a reoccurring thing too, where they Gunner almost goes to fire him. And then he walks oh, into right. the office and he looks like he's shooting up, mm-hmm. but actually he's just testing a theory of his. And it's it's weird because he wants to be more in charge and he is an asshole, mm-hmm. but he's also not because he's too soft. Yeah. So he gives in. It's it's almost to me, it's almost like he may have like a respect for Harry. It's almost like he doesn't really trust him. Right. Yeah. He was kind of a character that I ignored for the first part of the book. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, he's going to keep coming back. I should probably write some stuff down. We have some victims of the snowman Mm -hmm. killer. Those include Gert, the Iron Rafto. Uh, Like I said, Birdie Becker. We have Layla Asin. I'm pronouncing these all wrong. Um, sorry to our Norwegian fans who are not listening, for sure. Um, and Oni Helland and Sylvia Otterson. Um, Let's talk about each of the victims briefly. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. So I think the first one that we learn about in depth is Bertie Becker, I believe. Who still but, hasn't been found, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah we, we don't know. We haven't found any evidence. We of... found her cell phone. Right, in, in the a snowman. snowman. Yeah. That was looking up at the window at Jonas at one point. Right. Which yeah. was weird. It seemed the way they told that story where the snowman was there and then like was making um, eye contact with Jonas. Yeah. It almost seemed like somebody it came back to move the snowman. <laughs> but I know that it was probably just the little kid's imagination. Right. And the fact that they found the cell phone inside the snowman mm-hmm. was a little anticlimactic for me because... Seeing the trailer for the movie, I just expected there to be something more substantial than mm-hmm. a cell phone in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and one thing about Harry Hole that's frustrating me so far is that he keeps coming to conclusions without filling us in how he's getting there. Yeah. We found out that he found out something about the cell phone um, like um, communication that was going on between the towers. But there was no conversation. But we didn't learn what that yeah. was. So it was just like, oh, either... 
you know, he interpreted the information correctly or took a wild guess. And I want to say that it's a matter of just, ha- like, the perspective it's written in. It's obviously third person, but it doesn't feel omniscient. Mm-hmm. And it's, I want to say that's in order to keep us confused. Yeah. And keep us in the dark, so mm-hmm. we're wondering everything. I want to say that, but it just feels cheap it feels like <laughs> it feels like we're reading like a, a the script of like a c or a d rated horror movie mm-hmm. that has just holes in it like mm-hmm. the characters are just assuming these things it, yeah. ju- it just feels like lo- it just feels like holes instead of mm-hmm. actual mystery for us to solve yeah so. yeah exactly like putting two and two together we'll talk about this a little bit later but i read something online that was like there's a line in the book that's supposed to help you figure it all out. And I am really scrutinizing the language to try and figure out what that line is. And I I haven't been able to so far. I mean, I have a theory and we'll talk about it later, but it is, I, I do agree. I think it's trying to keep us confused in that way. Mm-hmm. The next victim that I think is a pretty big deal. Well, let's talk about Sylvia first um, because we find her, well, we hear about her in one chapter, and then we go back to her a little bit later. Right. So she's running through the forest. She's very afraid. It's dark. Um, she's she has po- a hatchet. She has a hatchet, so that's good. Yeah. And then we come back to her, and she's still running. She gets her leg trapped. Like in, a fox trap or in something. In a fox trap, yeah. She's running through the stream mm-hmm. so that she doesn't keep, uh, she doesn't make any footprints in the snow. And this um, figure comes upon her and she tries to defend herself. She throws the hatchet. She misses. And, and we know that she then dies. Um, and she is told beforehand how she dies, which I thought was kind of interesting. That seems like a reoccurring thing, too. I feel like I read that earlier in the book. Um, oh, yes. When um, Rafto meets with the mysterious guy at the beginning right. of the book, yeah. uh, that mysterious person says that he described exactly how he was going to kill her mm-hmm. and then pulls out something from his pocket that belongs to the mother. Uh, it's and, her best friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And says, I described to her exactly how yeah. I was going to kill her, too. Yeah. So that's a reoccurring thing yeah. where the killer keeps describing to the victims. And do you remember, it's in Chapter 5 when we're, we're reading from uh, Gert Rafto's perspective, and the person by the totem pole that he meets makes a comment and he's like can you smell it mm-hmm. and he's like the fear of a victim or like a prey actually gives them away to the predator and so i thought that was kind of like yeah it is interesting i, I do think that is something about the complex yeah. of the the killer and sylvia it was sylvia right yeah sylvia's scene her her scene where she gets murdered was really weird to me because up until this point i thought it was a man yeah and then when you read this chapter there's no gender there's just mm-hmm. the figure yeah and it's described as it yeah. instead and what ran through my head was i swear to god if at the end of this fucking book <laughs> we find out that it's actually a literal snowman come to life, like, like Jack Frost going around and killing women, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Um, I no longer think that. Yeah. But I, I honestly, with how the book was starting, I was like, if it ends that way, which I can see it ending that way, I might have to burn this book. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it's just I'm just imagining like the first snowman, or not the first snowman, but the snowman that's at the Becker's house, like with the cell phone in the middle. That's like, oh, the cell phone is like the beating heart of the snowman, or something. <laughs> and then, like, oh, I can just see like a horribly written ending to this yeah. book. Yeah, Jack that's... Frost gone wrong. Yeah, gosh, that was a children's movie, right? Jack Frost was. Yeah. But there was another snowman movie where the snowman was a killer. No, there's not. There is, but it looks terrible, and it probably was never in theaters. Like, I don't even know what it's called, <laughs> to be honest. But Maybe the director got halfway through this book and was like, yeah. yeah. You got plans for Christmas? <laughs> Let's watch a murdering snowman movie. <laughs> Nothing like that to get you in the spirit. <laughs> um, Gert. The Iron Rafto. Yeah, the only male victim. Oh, so true. And it's probably just because he knew. 
Yeah. Like, he was meeting... First of all, hold on. Right. Let me go back. I don't remember. Why was he meeting this person? What was the connection? Like, how Uh, did he know to meet this person? The person called him and was like... That's not suspicious. I know you're looking for me. It's me. No, he's... They say, it's me you're looking for. Those are the exact words. (laughs) Nothing Um, like a terrible set. Yeah. And Um, so, of course, he goes to the park alone without telling the cops because... I don't know, another pissing contest? Yeah, this is just what... Another male ego trying to show up and stop a serial killer alone because of a handcuff trick that he learned at the police academy? (laughs) Like, just stop. Just call the cops. So much ego in this book. Um, Yeah, so he he does. He gets a call. And the the person that meets him actually says, like, I knew you would come alone. It's He actually says... Or, I keep saying he, like, I know who it is. Um, The person says... It's a game, which I think is interesting because Harry Hole later describes this catching of a killer as a jigsaw puzzle, mm-hmm. as a chess game. And then um, Gunner says something like, oh, so you think it's a game? Yeah. And he's yeah, like, and he's like well, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like, to this person, it might be. It's not fucking fun, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, there's a killer on the loose. This isn't a fun game. It's just a fucking game. Yeah. So I do think that is, like, um, a significant connection there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Rafto meets this person at the totem pole. They have a little conversation. Um, he talks about smelling fear. He pulls out the necklace from yeah. his earlier victim. And then we don't hear anything else about Gert. Not until like chapter until, 16 or 17. Yeah, it's Not until much, recent. much later in the book. I, I don't remember what chapter it is, but we find we happen upon his body. We just happen upon it. In a, free, in a locked freezer. I was just looking for a Hot Pocket and <laughs> there's a frozen body. Yeah. Which is weird because it's his cabin that yep. his wife and child haven't been to. And these... In who knows how long. Yep. And it seems almost like how the fuck... Did the Bergen police not find that before? That, or it's like, one, like, it just seems to me like that's an obvious place to hide a body. Yeah. Is a brand new working freezer <laughs> in a rundown cabin. Yeah. And the fact that you did not go back and check later. Yeah. Right? Like, he's been missing for a long time, and you would hope that you go back to the cabin now mm-hmm. and then to see if there's any signs as his wife, or even as, like, my co-worker went missing yeah. out of nowhere. Right. Maybe we should check his cabin. Oh, no. Every six months. <laughs> like, yeah. even that, would have, yeah. they would have found the body yeah. earlier. Yeah, I, I was really like, are you serious? Like, he's been sitting there for how many years? Yeah. Because that meetup at the totem pole happened in 1992. Present day in this book is 2004. It's a really long time. He's been in there for 12 years? He's been in there a long-ass time. And I'm like... What were the police doing? Nobody went back for 12 years. Or... Not even his daughter, who he was supposedly, like, close with. Right. I mean, of course, the the way that they found him, right? He had his mouth sewn shut. Yeah, with And his the... nose was replaced with a carrot. <laughs> like, that's fucking brutal. Yeah. But then also, they made it seem like he was forced into committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Or that oh, was, right. like, the original plan. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the original plan was for Rafto to be set up to look like a suicide, kind of like the doctor and how I was he just was thinking found, that. Yeah, that's right? perfect. Maybe that was the original plan was to set it up as a suicide. Right. And then later the killer decided to like, oh, I'm going to keep his body for 12 years and then drop it off in a freezer later. Like the reoccurring theme of forced suicide or false suicide yeah, continues yeah. to happen with only the men that are dying. Mm, the men yeah. almost seem they're, like they're going to be set up for being the killer and then mm-hmm. they're not. Also, while talking about victims and themes, um, I think it's interesting that most of our victims are female and most of them do not get much of an introduction. We don't meet them until their murder is actually right. in route. So, um, you know, that happened with Sylvia. Um, you know, supposedly that happened with Sarah at the very beginning of the book. Um, it's happening right now with Eli. Right. The I mean, only we... time we really hear about Eli reoccurring is when they're being called. Yeah. By yeah. breathing, or they're being called 
Um, like at the end of chapter 18 saying we're all gonna die whore Mm -hmm. something like that Um, yeah you know I I am starting to see a theme and I accidentally read something online that gave it away um gave what away well I just a theme that I hadn't noticed before um so a lot of these women that are being killed seem to have some paternity issues with their children they do um and we don't know that really about all of them, but like in a lot of instances, like the mother is cheating on the husband or boyfriend or partner or whatever, or like the son was born by a different father. Yeah, or like, like in Eli's case. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. So um, that is interesting. So that could lead to helping us figure mm-hmm. out who the killer is. I think that going back though, it's like. Like you mentioned, these women are only being brought into the story to either be killed mm-hmm. or to be sexualized. Yeah. Whether it be Katrine or his ex-wife Raquel. Yeah. She's there only to go out to dinner. Yeah. And there's like a connection between them. Yeah. It's almost sexual. Yeah. And then the next time she's brought in, they're literally having sex. Yeah. And then the next time, they're having sex again. Mm-hmm. And it's almost... It goes back to, like, the overall sexism of this book. Right. Is they're either... Women are either victims or they're sex symbols. Yep. And I know that we talked about it before we started recording, but it's also, like, is Joe Nesbo a sexist? <laughs> is he pointing out problems um, in today's society yeah. of sexism? Yeah. I don't know where that line is, but obviously there's some sexism happening in the book. Yeah. I would love to hear from someone who's read other books of his to see if that theme is throughout the series, throughout other novels he's written, because I sure as hell am not going to read the rest of them. And I think we determined that this book so far does not pass the Bechtel test. Yeah. (laughs) And for those of you that don't know what the Bechtel test is, it's a feminist test usually used for movies. Yeah. To see if two women are in a scene together and they have a conversation with each other that's not about a man. That is the only rule. And so far, I don't think this book no. passes. Two women don't even have a conversation in the book. They're all, like, off-scene. Okay, wait. There was kind of a conversation, but then it did go off-scene. It trailed off-scene. And that's when Katrine uh, walks into the shop and is talking oh, to his sister about right. the masks. Oh my gosh, yeah. And Harry's like, yeah, I don't have time for this. I'm going back to the office. So I don't know if that would count. I kind of want to count that as a maybe. Yeah. I still would say... Like a half attempt. Yeah, I would still say that uh, I'm not comfortable with giving it a passing (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) While we're talking about it, I I do think... I've run into a couple instances with mentions of race... That I think are really, I'm just not sure about them. If you're with us on track with reading, um, you know that the doctor, uh, his name is Idar Vettelson. Um, so if you've read with us, it's he has been helping, I guess, less fortunate women, you know, with urine tests, blood tests, venereal disease tests out of a hotel that is frequented um, more as like a, it's got a reputation as a brothel. Um, So he is accused of hooking up with prostitutes for a while. He's accused of a lot. He is. There's a lot of negative connotation instantly attached to this character. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think, is it because of his profession? Is it because the police are pressing so hard for information, even oh. though they, they know doctor comp- like doctor patient confidentiality exists, and because for some reason the men that keep going to interview this man have a problem with plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Like, is there something going on there where they're just assuming all this negative oh, sure. intent because of his profession mm-hmm. and because he's so confidential when it comes to his patients? Mm-hmm. And then none of it turns out to be true. He's my favorite character. He's like honestly made out to be a little martyr. Yeah. Kind of. He's, you know? When we were talking about least favorite characters, yeah. Star, obviously. Yeah, yeah. he's Mutually yeah. agreed. He's my favorite. Yeah. He he actually does end up being a good character. I yeah. didn't actually think much about that, but you're right. So one of the other reoccurring themes, other than sexism, is mild racism? I don't, I wouldn't <laughs> Question even, mark? I wouldn't even call it mild in some instances. In yeah. some instances, it's like, that's fucked up. 
Yeah, so uh, one quote that I noticed super early in the book, first chapter, in fact, um, Sarah, the woman who leaves her child in the car while she has sex with her mister, (laughs) she (laughs) talks about them having sex, and it's, she's talking about, like, the difference, I guess, between, like, angry sex and, like, or good sex and bad sex, like, with this one person and how it's, like, a dynamic relationship, I guess. I'm not quite sure. It's kind of thrown, like, at the end of a paragraph, and I don't know what to make of it. She's talking about her partner's hands on her body. She says, they were like a pair of practice dancers who knew their partner's every move, step, breath, rhythm. First, the white lovemaking, the good one, then the black one, the pain. I don't understand why it was labeled like that. I have no idea what that means. I've never read anything like that before. Um, And it just came across to me as like, yeah, I just didn't know what to make of it. So later, in chapter 12... We are talking about Idar Vettelson, the doctor, Mm -hmm. and how he's taking care of these less fortunate women. Then they come to this hotel, this kind of notorious hotel, to get taken care of. So, Scar, of course, uh, he says, I've seen a lot of black hookers going in there. I suppose it must be a so-called massage place. And then Katrine starts talking about how... Vietnamese have a handle on the massage parlors and I was like "Mm, wait a minute they use Asian women and keep away from territory of African outdoor market I didn't know what if that was referring to like an actual outdoor market I was like are you talking about black women on the street that sounds really racist and then they mention the hotel owner they say the hotel owner who earns the most is white. And then Scar says, no, the owner's a Pakistani. I bet 200 kroners. So they're betting on the race of the hotel owner, who Mm -hmm. is in fact white. A lot to unpack there. Um, My one quote that I drew was not even from a specific individual. I guess it's it's not a quote, but it's describing something that somebody said. Okay. So it says, uh, Edar Vettelson's mother, when he had oh, told right. her about the free medical help he had given to black prostitutes in the evenings, and for the first time she dropped her mask, not in grief but in fury, and screamed it was lies. Her son did not tend to Negro whores. I read that and I was like, what the fuck am I reading right now? <laughs> but then I realized it's from a very old woman right. who is screaming this was angry and still obviously should not have fucking said it right but like is this a this is a reoccurring theme right and i don't know if it's a matter again of the characters being racist and the characters being sexist yeah or if it's a matter of a reflection of today's society sure or if it's the author right if the author is thinking these things and projecting them into his book right and it made me Want to be? I, I literally stopped and was like, "I'm gonna take a little break." <laughs> <laughs> Wait a um, yeah. So it's 2004 in Norway. I have no idea no. what the political, social, economic climate was like at that time. I have no idea if the author was. Because it's set in Norway. There's no way he would be talking about American racial issues. No. And I mean, who? what American was talking about racial issues at that time? And I feel as an ignorant American saying this right now, <laughs> I just feel like Norway is already a better place than America. I... I don't know why. Dream that. Yeah. But honestly, this I makes me think like, maybe not. Maybe it's not. If this is a reflection of Norway, then maybe... They have bigger race issues than I thought. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe research that later. Yeah, yeah. Because I and really want to figure out if I tried. the author's a racist or not. Yeah, I tried. I tried. I was like, okay, what's this dude's early life about? What did he do? Yeah. Where did he go to school? Like, was he influenced by other authors? I tried to find that stuff, and I, I couldn't find anything that was like, oh, yeah, he made this racially charged quote in the paper right. that one time. And, you know, to point and say, oh, like, yeah, this guy's just racist yeah and other authors do this all the time too stephen king does it in his earlier novels oh yeah sure where the characters are blatantly racist Mm -hmm. or homophobic or sexist 
Um, but it's always a direct quote from the character. Mm-hmm. It's never the narrator. Yeah. At least in the ones that I've read, I've always noticed that it's a direct quote, which makes me feel different about it. Right. Because you know it's a character trait. But in this, it's so constant, and it's not just a direct quote of one specific character, mm-hmm. but it seems almost like he's trying to make a point. Yeah. And I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. And it's coming from a lot of different characters, too. Yeah. I think there is a lot of ways that authors can point out racism in their characters yeah. without like um, communicating their own thoughts about race. Yeah. You know, like I think authors have done it for a long, long time. I, I just don't know what this instance is. My gut says that this guy might be a racist. That's what my gut says. I'm just not feeling his his viewpoints here. Uh-uh. No. It's not coming across like, oh, hey, this, I mean, besides maybe Scar, who has already shown himself to be a sexist and like a, just a terrible person. You know, if he was the only one saying these things, I might be like, okay. He's a racist Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the character. But because it's coming from a couple of different people, I'm kind of like, yuck, I don't like that. Yeah. Okay, so we do have to take a short break to hear from our past selves about (laughs) one of our sponsors for this podcast. Um, When we get back, we're going to talk about our theories for who we think the killer is or who we think is involved in the killings if there's multiple people. And we're going to talk about reading the rest of the book and where we think it's going to go. So stay tuned. Welcome back. Um, We are going to talk about the theories that we have about who we think the killer is or who we think is involved in the killings, (laughs) who's keeping secrets. Yep. Um, There's some things that we haven't talked about that we're going to talk about right now. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the murder weapon for Sylvia. Oh, yeah. What they, what Holmes just came to this conclusion of. He was like, oh, you know what did this? (laughs) This thing that we used to use. No, I don't even think they used it on the farm. No, it's like not legal in Norway. Right. And he's like heard of it because of and everyone's some like how? French farmers. Yeah. Um where it's like this loop with a button on it mm-hmm. and it's a metal loop that heats up yep. and tightens and cuts off and cauterizes instantly. Yeah. And it's sanitary, but it's used to go inside of pregnant cows to remove the uh dead fetuses. Yep. That they're not able to give birth to. We haven't lost all of our listeners yet. We just lost. We just lost all of them. All of <laughs> Sorry, them. Sorry, everyone. Um, Whatever. Facts of life. But Deal he just it. pulls this out of his brain. Yeah. He's like, he's like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, now that I just found this decapitated head that has carterized wounds on the right. neck. You know what I just remembered. <laughs> That's another thing where it's yeah. like the narrator is setting all of this up or the author's just setting all this up to feel like a cheap horror movie. Like, yeah. oh, that one tool that one character has once heard of that's yeah. illegal in Norway. Yeah, ha- yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, side note, that character is kind of awesome. Um, there's a mention that he has like the same joke every time he shows up late to the meetings and he's like, hey guys, what's up? Who died? <laughs> and then he also shows up wearing a like pink shirt, yellow embroidery that says like Hank Williams is alive. And it just makes me laugh. Like he seems like a very likable character. I'll be sad if he ends up being involved. I don't I know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't suspect him. I think <laughs> I don't that, either. I think that if he was involved, he wouldn't be like, oh, you know what did this? The weapon. Like, yeah. I know everything about the yeah. weapon that did this. Yeah, I don't think true. the killer or anybody that's involved in the killings would be so willing to come forward yeah. and admit to what actually did it, unless they wanted to remove suspicion. But he also doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Yeah. All right, I want to hear your theory. Okay, mine's a little underdeveloped, and is mostly because I keep screening the book for that one phrase <laughs> that is supposed to clue you in to who is doing all of this. Um, And it's, I don't remember what chapter it's in, but it's right before Harry goes on his little bender and uh, does a little bit of drinking. And he stays up late. He's back in his apartment. They're tearing it apart because of the fungus thing, Mm -hmm. um, which is very suspicious. I do not trust this situation. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah, it's weird. It right? is. It is like no, 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 no. This doesn't. No. Oh, by the way, the mold can be any color, and it might not be visible. 
<laughs> we have to tear apart your apartment. And he's instantly... No, 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 no. Wait, no. as a detective, how are you instantly like, sure? I know. He does not even question the person. Not even like... Who do you work for? Yeah. Unless that happens off screen too. And right. And left to assume another hole in the story. But he comes home and there's just other walls missing in his apartment. And, the, and he's like, I'm going to num- go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> the number eight written on his wall in chalk i wish there was a visualization of how the number eight was written right (laughs) because like in it oh spoiler alert when stanley kills himself in it yeah there's a visualization in the book of how he wrote it on the tile wall yeah i wish there was a visualization of the number eight because then we could differentiate is it an eight Mm -hmm. or is it an incomplete snowman true because we don't know. Yeah. Uh, my eights look like eights. They're messy. They look like the fucking infinity yeah. symbol yeah. turned sideways. But this could be a, a sign. True. I, I totally agree. I also think, you know, it was written in chalk. Mm-hmm. And then after he sees it, he wakes up the next morning. And he talk, Harry Holt talks about how he has a residue on his lips. And it tastes like something, I can't remember, and chalk. So we get another mention of chalk. You may or may not remember earlier in the book where um, Jonas mm-hmm. goes to work with his father and Philip is teaching a lesson. It stops midway through for an unknown reason. But it stops specifically while he's writing with yep. chalk. Yep. And Jonas is pointing out the fact that the chalk is falling on his dad's shoulders like, like snow. snow. There's very specific connections to chalk. Yes. And then Philip just walks out the students after he walks out the students are like oh yeah they're mumbling his, about his wife is missing he must have had like oh a little, my god something happened yeah he um out. so he yeah he walks out he leaves jonas and the detective shows up and you know talks to him a little bit later um we also hear from philip um very close to our stopping point where he has a knife in his hand he yeah. makes an incision in his somewhere on his son. What? He also finds a little something about his wife that did not please him. Um, he found something written in a notebook. It was probably the fact that she was having an affair. Probably. Perhaps. Was Some, she having an affair? I, we don't know. We. I don't think we've learned that yet. Based on the themes of the book, women <laughs> can't be trusted. Um there was something else that happened with Philip towards the end. Oh, 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 I remember. Didn't he hold someone at gunpoint? Do we know that was him? I think so. Oh. He also called Idar before Idar was killed. Why? I don't, we don't know. I don't know if he's the killer because Gert Rafto supposedly recognized the person that he saw at the totem pole who is the killer. Did you find it? So, beginning of chapter 18. Oh, okay. Wait, we haven't read this yet. Beginning of chapter 18. We did. Oh, oh, oh we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is oh, the last sorry. chapter we read. It starts out with a woman named Camilla Louise. Yes, yes, yes. Louise, Louise, Louise whatever. Sure. Camilla, her first name. Um, she is driving home. She yeah. pulls into her driveway or right. her garage, and she's thinking about finances like all rich women do. Um, and she goes to reach for the grocery bag on her seat and she notices uh, somebody in her back seat and she's like oh that's not real whatever mm, mm-hmm. but then she gets out of the car um, and somebody is standing there with a gun in yeah. his hand and he says my name is Philip Becker oh. I called there was no one home oh, right. she says what do you want what is this about and he says whoring is that actually Philip Becker we don't know sure because he just says my name is Philip Becker. Yeah. Which it's halfway through the book and it's pointing a lot of weird signs at the teacher. Yeah, it's sure. It's pointing a lot of signs at Philip Becker and it's like, oh, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't think it's him. I don't think it is either. Yeah. I think there's too many missing links and it doesn't quite add up. There's something really weird he's about suspicious. him. Yeah, he's definitely a f- weirdo. Now, what were you saying about the totem pole? Oh, Gert. Yeah. Gert recognized... The person that met him at the totem pole. But didn't mention who it was right. or the gender of the person. Right. So I'm just kind of like, how would Philip and Gert know each other? Oh, um, 
There, yeah, they, I mean, that they seems wouldn't. really far fetched. Yeah, and there is there is a thing that was mentioned. Harry Hole says it first, I think, where he says like, "No one in Norway is more than two handshakes away yeah. from like meeting someone they don't know." Right. Because it's kind of a small country and everyone seems to know each other. I guess if you take that theory into account, Philip and Gert may know each other, but I don't know. It just seems like a stretch. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? What are your theories? Wait. So who do you think the killer is? I don't know. That's why I'm saying I think you that. You don't know. No, I don't know, but I do think that Philip is involved. Okay. I don't think you're going to like what I have to say. Oh my god, are you going to ruin it for yeah. me? I think okay. the snowman is... I think the killer is a snowman. Are you so? <laughs> no. I really don't think Get so. Get out of your head. Um, I this think that real. the killer is Katrine. Really? I really do. And Am so I going to seem like an idiot for my, not putting this together? My points are... Okay. Well, one, okay. she went back to her hometown and wants nobody to know she's back. Sure. Which makes me think that she's not going by her real name. Okay. And somehow she faked her way into this job. Mm-hmm. Or she faked her disappearance somehow hmm. and then moved to a different town in Norway. Okay. Which seems unlikely, too, because because of Norway. Mm-hmm. Because what what you said with, like, the strangers knowing everybody. Yeah, right? yeah. But then she never met the plastic surgeon. Only Harry did. So maybe she knows the plastic surgeon and she got her appearance changed when she moved there. Oh. The only time that she's talked about him or met him, to my memory at least, maybe I'm wrong, was his dead body. Like, they never met in person. It was just Harry that went. Okay. So I think that she avoided that. She has some really weird knowledge about African masks. I think that might just be a weird characteristic trait. Sure. Um, But I don't know. Okay. And then in the bar, when he's drinking, yeah, yeah. he catches her when she's oh, falling. And she and has, she that has pain. a reaction yeah. that says, Oh, it's an injury from fencing. Yeah. Why? What? From yeah, that's what? weird. You're right. That's You're so now weird. bringing this up? Yeah. Fencing? Yeah. We don't know the gender of the person that met at the totem pole. Yes. And, and everyone last, keeps assuming it's a man. And last but not least, when these women are getting phone calls and notes recently, it's not, you're going to die, whore. It's, we're going to die, whore. Oh, yeah. Meaning, I think that she knows that she's killing women based on their infidelity or their um, their paternal mistakes, and she's about to make one with Harry. Oh. And she sees herself as a whore. Mm-hmm. And is projecting those beliefs that she has of women having to be a certain way onto herself. Mm-hmm. And she's having these feelings and she also feels responsible and she feels like she should die as well. Um, I can see, yeah, I can see how you got there. I can see some of the evidence that leads you there. I don't want to believe it. Because, yeah, I, di- I really like, I didn't like that scene in the bar when she's like talking to Harry like that. Um, it seemed really because, out of character. Because it seemed out of character, not because she was like being a certain way. No. Or anything like that. I was like, she put Scar off like way in advance, like so that we could formulate her character based yeah. on that interaction. And now she's, yeah, she's and just like being different. She's never shown a sign to Harry at all. Right. Because it's always been professional, except Harry thinking about her sexually. But now that Harry is coming onto this evidence that the doctor didn't kill himself, Mm -hmm. I think she might be using it to get on his good side and distract him and make him think that it couldn't be her. I I think she's using it as a way to get away from, or to to like not be suspicious. And if she's a police officer, she would have known Rafto somehow. He's another police officer. Mm, yeah. Oh, and he's from Bergen. Yeah. So is she. So I wonder why she suggested going back to Bergen then. She knew where Rafto's body was, maybe? maybe. She had such a dramatic reaction to it. I, it just seems like, why would you go back to the place where like you could so easily be... Remove suspicion. Yeah. Maybe she was like, oh, there's probably no way around it. We're going to end up there eventually. Yeah. We might as well do it on my terms. But the way that she did it was, don't tell anybody that I'm here. I'm going to go talk to... I don't even remember who the hell she went and talked to. His ex-wife, Rafto's ex-wife. That's it. 
oh, remember? She was like, oh, yeah, his ex-wife loved me. Yeah. Told her, quote, told her where the key was. was. She shows up with a boat that she knows how to drive. Yeah. She's Hmm. very suspicious. Man. If my theory is correct, women are either sexual objects, victims, or serial killers. Hmm. Which is um, two out of three of those are a real reflection of society. <laughs> Not a lot of women are serial killers in, in real life. But, um, yeah, I'm just really hoping it's not an actual snowman. We will have to write Nisbo some letters if, yeah. that, if that is the case. We will have to track him down and ask him if he is okay because... I'm going to send him the ashes of this book <laughs> if, if it ends up being an actual snowman. <laughs> This was terrible. Here's an urn full of your, <laughs> full of, full of what, I guess some people think is your best book since it was made, made into, into a, movie. a movie. Yeah, why? Oh God. So now that we have our theories out there, hopefully you have yours. Hopefully we didn't influence your thoughts too much, and you don't think Katrine's the killer. Yeah, like she is. through the whole rest of the book. <laughs> Formulate your own theories. Let us know what they are. Yeah, I hope that you do have your own theories, and we'd love to hear them sometime. So make sure to head over to our Instagram and shoot us a message. Um, Our Instagram is at Spooky Book Club Podcast. Uh, Also, feel free to shoot us an email if you think it's too long for an Instagram message. I will definitely read your email. Uh, (laughs) The email is SpookyBookClubPodcast at gmail.com. For the next time, um, speaking of the next episode... Uh, we'd love for you to have the book finished by December 26th. Um, so hopefully you have a little bit of downtime over the holidays. Um, and you can finish the book and let us know what you think. And we, we will let you know what we think for sure. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know. <laughs> Thanks for choosing to listen to Spooky Book Club Podcast. We are so looking forward to the next episode with you. For now, uh, give us a follow on Instagram at Spooky Book Club Podcast or shoot us any questions at Spooky Book Club Podcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcasts app, make sure to rate us with whatever you think is appropriate so we can get your feedback. And of course, make sure to subscribe. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>